Hello and welcome to this vidcast which is devoted to a prominent actor of a very important industry, mobility, autonomous vehicle. The name of the company is Mobileye and the title of the vidcast is From Nice to Nasdaq. Why? Because I'm going to observe this company at two very important moments of its industrial and financial and economic life. When the company is first listed on the New York Stock Exchange in 2014, and when the company is back on the market, NASDAQ, in 2022. Mobileye was created in 1999 at the top of the internet bubble by a professor of the Hebrew University of Jerusalem, Professor Amnon Shashwa. He invented and developed a vision system a system is a combination of two things. In fact, you have a camera and you have an algorithm. The camera is capturing the data and the algorithm is interpreting the data. The company is going to be incorporated in the Netherlands, even though R&D and business operations are located in Israel. The company is operating in an industry which is named ADAS, which stands for Advanced Driving Assistance Systems. Again, it's about mobility, it's about the autonomous vehicle. A system means that you have a device which is combined with a software. The device is a camera, is a leader, etc. Something which is capturing data. A leader stands for a laser which calculates the distance of an object. Static and dynamic. Once you got the data, it's absolutely fundamental that the software allows real-time analysis and interpretation of the data as quickly as possible to be able to take decisions in the car. It's about pattern recognition, it's about movements. You have to take decisions very quickly based on data. There are plenty of actors in this business and they are very strong and credible actors. Car manufacturers, OEM, South Korea, Hyundai, suppliers in Japan, Denso, linked to Toyota, Seiki, Bosch on Continental in Germany, Valeo in France, Autoliv in Sweden. But there are also some actors which are not directly linked with the car industry. Panasonic, which is a Japanese conglomerate uh, producing air conditioning system and refrigerators, and Mobileye. The objective is the full autonomy. Five levels of autonomy have been defined. There is a sixth one, which is no autonomy at all, of course, but five main levels. The holy grail is there is absolutely no driver in the car. This is level five. You just have people who are driven from one place to the other, and the car is driving without driver. There are plenty of debates. Oh, we will never be able to achieve this level, or it will be tomorrow whatsoever. Forget about these debates. What is the reality today? The reality today is level three. So you are the driver. You have to be in the car, but you can let go of the steering wheel. Still, you have to be able to stay in control and take the control of the car if there is something a little bit strange which is happening in front of you. You know what? This is perfect for traffic jams. The speed is quite slow. You don't change, move from one lane to the other. Uh, the risk of collision is relatively limited. And this is about level three, which is extremely useful. 
There are plenty of applications of ADAS to autonomous mobility and many of them are already in your car. Speed control, parking assistance, uh, the warning, maybe you're not looking at the road and you are changing lane and you have a warning system which tells you, hey, are you sure it works? Emergency braking, if something is happening which was not expected. A warning again for potential collision. Now, Mobile Eye is producing products and services. The product is about IQ, which is a single sensor camera, which fits with each and every level of the autonomy. It's about ADAS services. But there are other services. For example, if there is a Mobile Eye camera in your car, the camera is going to take some information about the road on which you're driving. And then the company is accumulating plenty of data in order to produce maps. In 2021, they say we have information about 7.5 billion kilometers of roads and highways and so on and so forth on the planet. A third one, which is quite interesting, it's a model, a responsibility-sensitive model. This is about setting and implementing rules of prudent driving. And this is very important because when the car is taking a decision, because there is an unexpected event which is happening in front of you, what will be the prioritization in the decision-making process? You know, if a decision is taken, it might be at the expense of the driver or the people who are in the car. It might be at the expense of the people who are outside the car. How do you make the prioritization? This is very important. It's about responsibility-sensitive model. Truly a fundamental issue. Some other product about true redundancy. It's integrated systems with all the cameras, leaders, radars, and so on and so forth, etc., etc. So the company is very much a pure player in this industry and is doing quite well. If you look at the evolution of the financing of the company and its financing credibility, we got plenty of data from the traditional database Crunchbase. Mobile Eyes created in 1999. At the very beginning, you need a little bit of money, which is a traditional family, fools and friends. Well, the first step, which is a little bit serious, is in 2006. Now you start moving from uh, software development to a little bit of manufacturing and so on. It's about $15 million, local financing. The year after, the money is spent, 2007, $100 million. And it will come from Goldman Sachs with a pre-money valuation of $500 million. Pre-money means a valuation of the company before you inject cash. Post-money is 500 plus 100, 600. So Goldman Sachs has invested 100 out of 600, which is about 17% of the shares of the company, which is quite significant. The money is spent, and in 2013, there's an additional need now of 400 million. Goldman Sachs is going to contribute together with another investment bank, Morgan Stanley, and through one of its numerous agencies, the Chinese state. But now the pre-money valuation is 1.5 billion, compared with the post-money of 600 million a few years before. 2013, 2014, now the IPO on the New York Stock Exchange, pre-money valuation 4.4 billion, three times as much. And the amount of cash which is going to be collected is 890 million. The lead, the leaders, the investment bankers who are going to lead the operations are obviously the investment banks which are shareholders, Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley. 
If you look at the financial ID of Mobile Eye in 2013, this is the last full year before the IPO in 2014, revenues at the company is not a dream. It's selling goods, services, and products about 80, 81 million dollars. And the growth is fantastic. The company is doubling its revenues each and every year, 100% per year, from 20 to 40, from 40 to 80. The company is profitable. The operating income, the income from operation, the EBIT, is 15 million. Of course, it was zero in 2012, but now we have reached beyond break-even situation and we are making a profit. The EBITDA, which is a cash operating profit, it starts from EBIT, then you add depreciation and amortization, and you add again another non-cash item, which is stock-based compensation, stock, stock options, and so on and so forth. EBITDA adjusted is $30 million. Now, with the EBITDA, you pay the capex. Capex, less than $3 million. So you understand that the company is generating a free cash flow, which is absolutely huge, beyond simple accounting profitability, because the company is generating a profit which pays 10 times industrial investment. This is why the company is cash-rich, $224 million of cash, with no debt in the balance sheet. The metrics for the valuation are quite stratospheric. 52 years of revenues and 140 years of EBITDA. Okay, that's quite high. But the growth potential of the company is huge. And the company is not generating losses. The company is generating accounting profits and is generating plenty of positive free cash flow. It justifies more or less the multiples. Now, the company is going to be listed for its first listing during three years. Last full year, 2016, revenues, not plus 100% per year, plus 50% per year, which is less, but still quite high. Revenues in three years are going to be multiplied by 4.5, which is now $358 million. EBITDA skyrocketing, not multiplied by 4.5, multiplied by 6.3. Now 190 million when capital expenditures are about 11 million. So the free cash flow is great and the company is piling up cash. No debt, $630 million. Intel is going to buy the mobile iShares for $63.54. We are in 2017. When the company was listed in 2014, the stock price, the issue price was $25. So a good job for shareholders. What about the metrics and the multiples? Not 50, but 41 years of revenues. Not 140, but still 78 years of EBITDA. Now, a few comments about R&D. We are in a high-tech firm. In a high-tech firm, you invest a lot in research and development. What are the metrics in 2013 when the company is listed? You remember revenues, $81 million. What about research and development expenses? $22 million. So it's a bit more than one quarter of their revenues, 27%. In 2016, Revenues are skyrocketing, multiplied by 4.5, but R&D is multiplied by 3. What does it mean for the company? It means that it's not investing anymore 27% of its revenues. It is investing more in R&D, but less as a percentage to revenues, 18%. There are two possible interpretations of that reduction in the ratio. The first one is... Okay, we invest a lot in research and development, but as sales and revenues are very much growing, as a percentage to revenue, it's less. 
it does not mean that we don't invest. We invest a lot, but we generate even more sales. This is named economies of scale. There's another potential interpretation, which is underinvestment. When you are a listed company, the financial analysts, they are looking at your EBITDA. If you keep on investing a lot in research and development, but less as a percentage to revenue, your EBITDA is going to be up as a percentage to revenue. This is mechanical stuff. And so the very big question is, which interpretation is valid? I don't know. But what I know is how Intel is going to transform mobile eye. You remember in 2016, when the companies delisted revenues 358, R&D 65 million. In 2021, the last full year before the company is back to the market, NASDAQ, revenues are almost 1.4 billion. That's a dramatic increase compared to the revenues of five years before. But now R&D is not 18% of revenue. It's 39% of revenues, $544 million. It has nothing to be compared with $65 million. But the consequence is what? When you increase the R&D to sales figure from 18 to 39, you increase an expense by 21%. Then you reduce the EBITDA. And the EBIT, which was positive, is now a little bit negative, minus 57. The EBITDA, which was absolutely stratospheric, is just a little bit positive, plus 57. The fact that it's the same figure is a pure coincidence. But then you understand that the company is investing more but is generating less as a profit. We have the figures for the first nine months of 2022. You remember in 2021, revenues 1.4 billion, R&D 39% of revenues. What about the first three quarters of 2022? Revenues 1.3 billion, so about the same as 2021, but in nine months. Year on year, it represents an increase of 27% which is no more 100%, no more 50%, but it's still quite growing. And now R&D is not the 544 for 12 months, it's 565 for nine months. And it's no more 39% of revenues, it's 43% of revenues. It's for the last three quarters. If you take the last quarter, Q3 2022, it's even 51% of revenues. So you understand that the company is not investing anymore one-fifth of its revenues. It's investing one-half of its revenues. It's dramatically changing. But what is the consequence? EBIT is a little bit negative. EBITDA is a little bit positive. And that's it. We are back to a kind of break-even. Why? Because we are intensifying investments, which are cost expenses in the P&L. And what about the free cash flow? You remember when I was telling you that the EBITDA was paying 10 times the capex? No, the EBITDA does not pay any more the capex. EBITDA minus capex, which is a simplified version of the free cash flow, is minus 11 million. Okay, it's close to zero and it's not really an issue. But you understand that the company's metrics have completely changed. Why? Because the market is growing. The market is a huge potential. There are some expectations and forecasts about the market which are more or less credible, I would say. Today, the market is about a $20 billion market. Some people consider that in 2030, it's going to be between $50 billion and $100 billion. Huge potential. And even 2035, 2040, maybe 300, 400 billion dollars. 
So you understand that you have to invest to grasp the opportunity of his huge potential. But the competition is extremely credible, and you have to cope with that. This competition is creating an economic obligation. We are competing on technology, and these are big names with deep pockets. Swiss companies have demonstrated their constant technological commitment and their ability to have and adopt a long-term perspective. A company like Bosch is not listed on the stock market. It's owned by a foundation. They don't publish figures and they do what they want with the money of the company, including investing for the long run and the technological leadership. In this context, Mobileye, a few days ago, early January 2023, made an announcement. And they said, because we've been very successful commercially and technologically, we've been able to reach some design wins. And only the one we achieved in 2022 are going to generate $17 billion of revenues from 2023 to 2030. In eight years, it represents more than $2 billion per year. You remember in 2021, revenues were 1.4, and we already have in the books 2 billion period during the next eight years. That's a great return on R&D investment, and the market likes that. If you look at the evolution of mobile eye and its correlation with NASDAQ, the company is back to the market at the end of October. From end of October to beginning of December, there's a perfect correlation between mobile eye and NASDAQ. And then, as a consequence of the results of the first nine months, mobile eye is going to go up, and NASDAQ is not going to go up so much. There will be a decrease in the stock price in the early days of January 2023 because some people are taking their benefits, as I said. But the consequence of the announcement I was just telling you is the stock price is up again with a company whose enterprise value is now $28 billion, so a very significant company. R&D went up from 20% to 50% of revenues. And why do you have to do so? Because you want to become, but you want to remain a technological leader in an extremely promising industry. But the consequence is, in a short run is that you have to reinvest 100% of your profit in keeping, remaining a technological leader. You have to invest in your leadership. What is the consequence on the free cash flow? Yesterday, you were generating plenty of positive free cash flows. Now you generate nothing. You generate nothing in the short run. Why? Because you're creating the long term. The one slide which I always present in my films, in my lectures, conferences, in my teaching activity is the reprint of the letter to shareholders, 1997 Amazon. Some statements are absolutely fundamental. It's all about the long term. What do we do? We don't spend, we invest. We take continuously investment decisions. Why? Because we want to reach and we want to remain long-term market leaders. That's absolutely fundamental. Even though the short-term profitability is negatively affected by that, we have to invest and invest and invest for long-term market leadership considerations. Forget about the short-term profitability and forget about the short-term Wall Street reaction. In fact, if you look at Mobile Eye and Amazon yesterday, but Mobile Eye, the reaction of Wall Street is quite positive. Wall Street knows that R&D is an investment. Each and every investment has to generate a return on investment. 
And you have to invest a lot. Why? Because competition is very powerful and is very active and is very credible. And today, the markets, they love your idea of investing in order to be a technological leader. But the consequence of free cash flow is nil today. Is it supposed to be nil tomorrow? Well, there is a moment where the free cash flow will have to turn positive so that you can return cash to your shareholders through whatever buybacks or dividends and so on and so forth. Today, the markets are quite patient because they know that you're building something. How long are capital markets going to stay patient? This is something which is absolutely unknown and very interesting to observe. Thank you very much.